Welcome back, my beautiful people. Dong City returns December 7th, 2020, show number 41. Vince is back with us. Rob Martinez is our producer here with us. Vince, you missed last show, man. I hope you uh I hope you enjoyed your road trip, brother. I, I enjoyed the road trip, man, but Matt came in and brought the heat. I was watching that. I'm like, shit, I got to I gotta come back and have my A game or else I, you know, my contract might not get renewed. That's how I felt when Randy sat in for me. I said, no, no, fuck this. Uh, yeah, crazy. those audible boys, man, you can't have them on here anymore. They're they're a threat. Man, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be back. Um, took a trip up, up and down the East Coast driving, so that kind of took a lot out of me as much as I wanted to uh, stop by the show at a rest stop in, like, Virginia or wherever I was at the time. Decided against it, but uh, glad to be back. Glad to have this new attire, which we can get into, Henry. Yes, yes. But um, most of all, winter meetings are starting, so that's, that's the time of year. But before we get into that, yeah, let's take a look at this. I am sitting in – I was sitting in my sister's house – I get a delivery from Henry and it is this shirt. So it's a baseball life shirt. You got Don city bitches across the bottom. So, you know, Chris Flores, this is, this is your time. And, uh, and here we are. Rob gets one. Henry gets one. We have official swag here on Don city. Don so, city swag, baby. Hashtag makes it all. Yeah. So I love it. Completely copyrighted, right? No one's taking this logo. So, um, trademarked. Yep. Yep, I wore it around Publix today. That was a celebration. So <laughs> here I am. Uh, how are you guys doing? Things are good. Things are good. And for the Cubs fan, that is not Chris Bryant. 17 represents the year we got started. <laughs> Always trying to sneak Chris Bryant in there. He's very topical this week, though. Yeah, so uh, so we, uh, we have a good show for you guys today. Winter meetings kicked off today. Doesn't necessarily mean anything, but we'll get into that. I, winter meetings to me are like the uh, like all-star competition of sports it's just it's always a letdown 100 percent of the time ever since mm -hmm. like 2010 uh but we'll get into that you know i always enjoy the the desperate agent you know or the the player who really doesn't have a place to go so he ends up at the hotel lobby those things are always cool you yeah know? i, I want to know what room scooter Jeanette's staying in <laughs> or he's not because it's virtual. That's even worse. That's the but, worst uh, part of virtual. So I think it loses a lot of its swag, man. You know, the GMs aren't going out getting hammered, <laughs> making trades, thinking, what the fuck did I just do, you know? Yeah, it was great, too. Scott Boris would, like, go around peddling his shit everywhere. Um, we're kind of going to miss that with the virtual stuff. I don't even know how that's going to work. But I guarantee you they'll have a big Zoom call with all the GMs and all the agents. And then all the Scott Boris's chat, private chat, is just like fucking with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. he's sending over digital copies of the binders, you know. <laughs> Packaging his players on the low. PDF file page, you know. It's, it's... Yeah. So we uh, we have that. We have some deadlines to get to, some rules for 2021 that are uh, going to be discussed, some, some theories about 2021. And, of course, we're just going to cover 2021 in general. We haven't really spoken about it like we did last year throughout the winter, but – Let's kick it off here first. Again, winter meetings started. Um, here's your timeline for winter. Meetings are the next four days. At the end of this on 12-10, when the winter meetings end, you have your Rule 5 selection draft. Um, so as you know, the non-tender non deadline has come and gone. We're going to get into all of those players or at least notable ones and go over that. But now that that's been decided on 12-10, you actually have the draft. That's where people, where teams can snipe players from other guys who aren't protected. 
with the caveat they have to stay on the major league roster the entire year or else they get returned back to the team. But um, you always get a a few gems usually in those drafts. So on the lookout for that, that's where your teams like the Yankees who have kind of a deep farm, but not really like a ton of blue chips, they kind of get screwed. Um, So we'll see how that shakes out. We also have the ARB deadline is January 15th. So interesting for that. That's when the players and teams are enough to kind of submit their figures and whatnot. This year, Henry, I think it plays a bigger role because we have a very budget conscious offseason and those ARB numbers are going to really play into payroll. And and that's a big deal this year, more so than other years. I think we're going to see a lot more ARB cases uh, than ever before this year. You know, unless the players yep. turn around and say, hey, um, you know, I know I didn't have a good season, this, this, and that. Uh, unless players are being honest with themselves and, and taking, you know, less money, I think we're going to have more uh, ARP cases than ever before. I completely agree. I, I think that they're going to fight. This is a really bad precedent for 2021. They're going to fight tooth and nail for these non-free agent players, which you can only imagine what the free agency is going to look like this winter. Uh, buckle up if you're a baseball fan. Things are going to move at a very glacier pace, I think. You're already seeing it. We're in December and nothing really of note except for players taking qualified offers and these non-tenders have happened. It's crazy to think like five years ago, five to ten years ago, we had like dramatic Thanksgiving signings. And that seems completely a thing of the past. You are lucky if anything happens before New Year's now. Yeah, now it's like you have guys going into spring training unsigned and you're kind of like, yeah. like you expect it now. When it first happened a couple of years ago, we were like, yo, this is crazy. Is this guy going to get – and Scott Boris, like, relax, relax. Oh, you know, cool and collective as you know, Scott <laughs> is. And he was he's always been right, you know, for the most part. Um, but this year, it's like you said, you just you, – you expect to go some maybe a week into spring training without some guys being signed and having to have an extended spring training and, you know, yeah. late. Interesting winter, too. Last winter was the uh, winter of Scott Boris because he kind of had Strasburg and Cole to, comp- to control it. Even the year before, he had Harper. This year, there's not really a signature Scott Boris guy. You've got Trevor Bauer, who hates Scott Boris. Yeah. And he's your, he's your crown jewel, and he's really the only crown jewel, I think, of the entire winter. There's not another guy who can move the needle like Trevor Bauer can that you can sign as a free agent. No. I think trade, it's Trevor yes. Bauer. Yeah, I think it's Trevor Bauer and then Lindor on the trademark. I think those are the two big yeah. teams. Lindor, um, Brian. I, I take that back, JT Rimuto. That's right. Yeah. All right. And he is a Boris guy, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, I think uh, after those two. Yeah. Drop big drop off. Even Rimuto. I mean, I'm a little harsher, I think, on catcher impacts than, than some other people. I think catchers are mainly meant to be seen and not heard. And what I mean by that is I like them for defense. I don't really value premium bats unless you're like a Piazza type. It depends. Um, I mean, JT. Rimuto's rock solid, but he's not. That's not a, a guy I'm building my offense around is what I'm saying because he's a catcher. Plus, the, the offense is just a big bonus. It's yeah. a plus, and you, you take it, but you do pay a premium for it. Right, exactly. So you get stellar defense and, you know, power padding. You, you're going to take it and you have to pay for it. Yeah, exactly. So I, we deal with this is why we deal with Gary Sanchez because well, for all the shit that we hate Gary Sanchez for, he's still putting up 30 home runs consistently. He's still giving you – you know, top two, top three power at that position, no matter how shitty he's doing. Yeah, we, we've got a few things to catch up in in the comments. Miguel, yes, that is right. Gary Sanchez has not hit, fit my profile of an ideal catcher. So it's one of the... Johnny's telling Roberto to blink. 
<laughs> when, and when you are uh, when you're not putting up offense and you're Olympic on offense and you can't catch that you're now useless and that's where Gary Sanchez is right now. But follow Miguel for the uh, the Dominican or Melvin. I'm sorry, <laughs> follow Melvin for the winter league. Racist bastard. Yeah, for the Dominican. <laughs> follow Jose or Pablo for the uh, Dominican league updates because next thing I know my name is going to be changed to Hector. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Henry Maldonado is really good to follow for that too. I will Uh, say uh, Gary Sanchez in the winter league has got what? Three, four hits. Every single one is like the flattest fastball. I save that garbage, man. I I saw the stupid. I mean, get, get out of here with that. It's batting practice pitching. Home run was tattooed. But yeah. the fastball was a meatball that did not move down the pipe. You're supposed to do that to that ball. Look, you put Gary in a batting cage with no cage. He can hit it 460 feet. We all know that. We saw it last year, even though he missed a thousand percent of the time. You put Gary in a game, though, and there's even a threat of a slider. It's a whole different ball game. He missed every single middle middle pitch last year. So Dominican League's not really going to move that needle for me. I'm glad he's in good shape. Uh, if it boosts his confidence, great. great. In great shape. I give him that. I got to see it on the field at this point. It's just like, it's like Aaron judge. Not that I doubt Aaron judge's talent, but I need to see Aaron judge stay healthy at this point. I don't need to see anything else. I know he can hit 50 home runs from healthy. I know he can challenge 300. I know he can have a 400 on base percentage. He needs to stay on the field. Stanton needs to stay on the field. Gary needs to put up numbers. That's it. That's that's all I care about. I don't, and nothing else matters. No, no dispute here. Hello, Carrie. And uh, <laughs> Jake, don't don't worry. We're gonna get to Chris Bryant because I know that's why you stick around this show. We have a lot to discuss with Chris Bryant later. Um, just going through here, seeing if we missed any questions. Johnny, you're gonna have to contact our agents as far as the shirts go. Um, and again, I saw a comment about lack of comma. You don't put comment. You don't put commas in hashtags. So I'm taking Henry's side here. We can't have a Dong City comma bitches. Nah. hashtag it's got to just be straight through even though it's, it's for flow. it's not it's not dong city bitches <laughs> yeah city i get what he's saying though and that it you know now it looks like we are dong city bitches as opposed to dong city bitches but it's a hashtag so this is what happened when the super analytical people take over people ask me about this shirt i'm gonna be elated i'm happy to explain to them the difference Absolutely. if it happens so um, Yo, here's a link to the show <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Watch it. You could see if we're bitches or if we just say bitches. We'll, we'll find out. Um, big thing came out earlier. I think Rob, actually, you posted it in Baseball Life. Universal DH. But Henry, we've been talking about this for a while now. I was not convinced that you. I'm. Con- I am convinced of one thing and completely unconvinced of another. Unconvinced that 2021 will have the Universal DH. And the reason that I felt that way originally, despite rumors, is that. You have the CBA expiring after 2021, which is also the reason that I think no matter what happens in 2021, that's the last year you'll see a non-DH. I think for sure 2022 is when you'll have a universal DH for the rest of eternity, but next year's questionable. Now the the pendulum's shifted back towards we're not going to have universal DH, which uh, interesting for NL lineups, I guess. I, I mean, I don't think it affects the AL too much there's no one that really they invested in to be a dh and now he's not this is where you know the people that you know run the union and run mlb baseball this is where like melvin said that you know it's a bargaining chip it's nothing more than a bargaining chip everyone every team i don't care what fan you are even if you didn't like dh last year you liked it everyone liked dh pitchers like dh 
you got to, to have a better hitter. It, it just works. To use it as a chip is, is ridiculous. And, you know, hopefully, uh, but, but I do think, like you said, I think 2021, I don't think we'll see because they're going to be using it as a bargaining chip. 2022 will change the face of baseball forever and we will see the DH. Yeah, it's essentially being taken away, even though it's a great idea. It's going to be wrapped into a negotiating ploy at the end of 2021 with the CBA, which is something we now have to talk about again, and we'll probably talk about it for the next four months, five months. Um, we know there's a good chance, not not to be completely pessimistic, there's a good chance 2022 you're not getting a full season. Nothing to do with COVID. going to have absolutely everything to do with a potential strike. Well, potential we're going to have a workshop, yeah. Yeah, there's going to be a work stoppage. I'd be shocked if that season, just the animosity that's been built up since Rob Manfred became commissioner in the last four or five years is un, I've ne- it's unparalleled. There's nothing like it. It's kind of like our country with politics right now. Like it's just, we are so far apart as, as players and owners in baseball, you're going to see a work stoppage. Now, 2021 is kind of that child in between divorcing parents. <laughs> we had a short season in 2020, Right, 60 games because they couldn't get their shit together. That's what owners wanted. Now they're claiming anyway that they lost like a billion dollars a team or whatever, and we all know that's bullshit. Yeah. Uh, But 2021, you can't ramp back to 162 game season, and it's pretty much been declared that that's not going to like you're. We're not having a 162 game season in 2021. Um, But you also can't do it really from a player standpoint either, because these pitchers are just going to be derailed completely if they try and build back up to what they were. So in my mind, you always had to ramp up. So 2021 was going to be between 60 and 162. But money, again, is going to come into that. I think we're looking at between 125 and 160. And I think it meets somewhere in the middle, 135 games, 140 games. I'll take the under. I I think it's going to be like a 120. I I think you'll see probably around that. Um, And then the potential – to your point, you know, injuries are going to be a big thing because you're you're asking guys to throw a lot more innings than they threw before. Double. Double last year. Uh, we know the Verducci effect, for those of you who don't know, which I still subscribe to, that's simply going over your pitching by, I think, like 40 innings. It's, it's percentage-based, but it's roughly 40 innings. You're asking these guys who threw like 85 to 100 innings last year to double it. So that's a tremendous risk. I don't think with all the analytics, most teams are going to do it. So you're talking about way more pitchers and uh, you can only go so far. So (laughs) 2021 can only have so many games before it's a health risk for the players. I'm sure to a degree they understand that, but just like owners have their negotiating chips, players will push for as many games as they can, knowing that they're not going to get it and it's going to fall somewhere in between. So that's what you can look forward to in the next few months. And I think because of that, you will see the return of one rule, which I did not like, which is the runner on second base. For sure. Yeah, I know we differ on that. Um, I actually kind of liked it. I liked it from a a time standpoint. I don't think it really impacted that much of the game. Um, I actually kind of liked all the Kichi rules last year that we saw so i mean it made sense i get it you you don't yeah. want games going deep because you know they were playing so many truncated games in such a short amount of time but i just i i hated that one little thing you know, yeah I, now I hear you i i could see it both ways i was fine with it i didn't think it impacted too much um but yeah i mean well that will be there though this year i think you're right uh, and then we'll see if it gets negotiated into the next CBA. But 
hybrid season 2021. We also don't know because of COVID if it's going to start on time. So we don't know if they're going to start in April or start later or if they're going to end early. One of the rules that I did like, I didn't think I would like it at all, the seven-inning game. Yeah, over doubleheaders. Yeah, doubleheaders. Loved it. Really, really enjoyed that. Um, It brought a different element. Every time I watched the game, I forgot that it was seven innings. Mm -hmm. But I did did enjoy that very much. So I, I wouldn't mind seeing that. To your point. I if if I was a voting man, I would say I do obviously I, I don't want the extra inning rule forever. <laughs> I was good with it last year. I thought it was cool. I'm good with it probably this year. I don't want to see that in the next CBA. But I do actually love the doubleheader seven inning rule. I don't think it's really it's not a competitive advantage for anyone. They've been doing it in the minors forever. Uh and in this day and age with such specialized bullpens and whatnot, like you're not <laughs> It's better for the players in my mind. There was, there was a two teams. I can't recall now which one it was, but they were because of some of the COVID delays, they were talking about maybe going triple header with the seven innings and like doing the math. It was only really like two full inning games and then a couple more innings. Right. I don't remember yeah. who it was. I can't, I can't do it triple Yankees, headers. It was the Yankees and someone because it was, it was Michael K was talking about it. Yeah. The problem with the triple header is like, from a fan standpoint, you're still talking about like almost nine hours of baseball in a row. Even if you're talking seven innings. It's a lot of baseball for sure. Yeah, with the Yankees, you're getting nine plus hours. And there has to be time in between those games for like at least 30 minutes. So you're really talking about like an all-day affair, which... I will keep fighting, even though I will always lose. I will keep fighting for the traditional doubleheader. One admission, give that to the fans. I think every team should have at least one game that way. Yeah, Every I mean you'll never you'll never get it because of revenues, but I agree. But I then I, I think every team should do that. Just one game, one home game. Every team traditional doubleheader. Yeah, I'm with you. That's that's good. That'll be um, to win some fans back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. we're the last priority as it pertains to the next two years. Right. I, we'll see. We'll get tossed a bone in 2023 sometime. I'm sure. But before that, I wouldn't hold my breath. Um, let's get to these non-tender. Now, Rob, you wanted to bring up Roberto Clemente award. We're big Roberto Clemente guys on the show. Uh, Adam Wainwright has won it. Is that correct? It, by the way, is it, that I, I'm an idiot for not knowing this off the top of my head, but is that like a sportsmanship? It's a humanitarian. Award. Humanitarian. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, so Wainwright wins it. This is his first time, I assume. And it's the sixth sixth time the Cardinals won it, which kind of doesn't surprise me for some reason. No. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. Congratulations to Wainwright. Still in the league. Still. Did they list reasons why? If you're a Cardinals fan, you can chime in here. What does uh, What does Wainwright do that's so humanitarian? He puts Carlos Bell trying to sleep with a curveball. <laughs> <laughs> he is Ben Stiller and Happy Gilmore. What does he do? <laughs> That was too easy, man. You put you put that on a T, man. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. So did Wainwright with that curveball, but Beltran didn't seem to bite. So for the uh, record, Beltran's my favorite, one of my favorite players ever, but that was just too easy. And and for the record, Beltran won the award as a Cardinal. Nice. All right. I like that tie-in. There we go. Well well warranted to bring Beltran, him in. Beltran won it twice. Okay. That was my next question. Can you win it more than once? Yeah, I think he won it when he was a Yankee as well. 
Yes. Mm. Beltron, by the way, the sucker so far in this offseason. Uh, I mean, you got to you, we have to address it, right? Cora gets a job back. Hinch gets a job with a new team, which he probably wanted to get out of Houston anyway, because we know where that team's headed in 2022. You know, it's funny. Uh, he got fired from the Mets. And if, if those three, I would probably be more excited to managing the Mets if I was Hinch or the other dude. Um, oh, Mets over Tigers in a heartbeat, yeah, man. I mean, the, want, so I'm like, not only did you, you get shafted, you, you haven't gotten hired back, but the job you had is an exciting job to have right now. Yeah, I, I mean the Mets are in a, a better spot than most teams with managerial openings, so I, I will so easily Trent, concede that. Beltran has paid his penance, and, and don't worry, we'll welcome him back to the organization. He can manage the uh, the new Double A team. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Which I don't have. We has anyone addressed that yet? Uh, we talked about it last week. All right, good. Yeah, I poured some out. Hey, Trent and Thunder, though. Some some of us were, you know, actually doing podcasts while other people were fucking driving up and down the East Coast. That's why I asked. Stopping in the office office apparel, you know, shop. Yeah, I was all over Scranton, Pennsylvania, getting office apparel when uh, when you guys were talking about the Somerset, whatever. NBA Vince, that's who. Yeah, hey, I I saw the sign for the Scranton Yankees, though, so I was doing some some due diligence there. Uh, Trent and Thunder, by the way, catching on with this five-team uh, showcase league. So I'm happy to see that at least the stadium can be at some use. Save the Trent and Thunder. They did not save the Staten Island Yankees. No, I never went to that. I was excited like when it started because I was like, "Hey, I was born there." Not that I've ever returned <laughs> since I was like ten, but uh, but now they're done. You're not missing anything in Staten Island. Yeah, I had a feeling. Yeah, you know <laughs> which I should add. I always bring this up. Last year, I went to New York City with my wife for like a, uh, a week vacation just to be a tourist because I never get to do that because I still have friends and family there. And the only borough we did not go to was Staten Island. I was like, you know what? I was born there, but I have no interest in, in like, what do you want to see? The dump or the ferry? There's no other option. I always so. you know how I tease you about the Florida Bugs Bunny Jeff when he's shaving. Yeah, it should it should be Staten Island. Without a doubt, Island, bro. There's the, it's New York, the, the map of New York, and you should have Bugs Bunny just carving off <laughs> Staten Island from it. I would even throw Long Island into that, but that's a little more controversial. I'd be more uh, I'd be more apt to to rename Staten Island Wu Tang Island or something. Like that. <laughs> Yes. Piss off a bunch of conservatives, name it after a 90s rap group. Yeah, weird too. Brooklyn has produced so many great baseball players since Staten Island has not. I don't understand the difference there, but what are you going to do? Rob, can we get to those non-tender players? Let's get into that here now that we've sufficiently covered what to expect, which is a whole lot of arguing and deadlines, basically. Did Rob drop off? I don't know. He's giving us the symbol right now. Rob comes back, we can, we can get into that. I mean, I you know, Henry, if you want to pull that up in the interim. Yeah, um, I have it up here. Okay. So we had the, like, 56 to 60 players. I think it landed at 59 total uh, non-tender players. Most of it crap. <laughs> you expect that with non-tenders, but some of it was stuff you wouldn't see normally. Yeah, there's um, some guys that jump out for sure. Yeah, I know if you're looking for a reliever, I've got Archie Bradley on my list. You know who else? Archie Bradley is the obvious name. I mean, that guy's a bona fide former closer setup man. Uh, Ryan Stanick was on that list, who intrigues me. He's only 29, I think, or 28. He's still in his prime. He had a great, like 2018, you're talking about sub three ERA. 2019 on the raise, he has a sub three ERA. And then 
he goes to the Marlins and he's terrible. And the Marlins, of course, are not going to bring, he had like a five ERA. They're not going to bring back a guy like that. Um, but that is some man, that is some team's treasure in my mind. If you have a good pitching staff. AJ Cole could be one of those guys. Yeah. I'm, I'm bringing, I'm thinking about Ryan Stanek. If I'm a team like, uh, Oh, the Yankees or the Cubs or the, uh, I'm trying to even like a team like the Braves pretty established bullpen, but I, you know, most teams can use another arm that they can take a high ceiling risk on. There's a lot of names on there that jump out at me. Like you said, Archie Bradley, Jonathan Holder surprised me. Um, He's going to get picked up somewhere. He's going to, you know, he's going to do good stuff, you know, middle relief uh hansel robles is on that list that surprised mm-hmm. me you have three lefty, re- lefty relievers always get scooped up chasing street hobie milner and alex claudio those guys will all get jobs um matt andrees is on that list yeah boy is that guy bounced around yeah seriously uh such a young age uh <laughs> jason shreve will get a job it i don't want it in the same like time zone as new york if you ask me if I had to take one pitcher on that list, it's probably Archie. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's the least warts type of guy. Um, looking at starters, I mean, here's my thing with Corey Kluber. Corey Kluber is, obviously, he's got a higher ceiling than probably most of the starters you'll see on that list because they wouldn't be non-tendered if they had any sort of ceiling. Um, he obviously has a very low floor because the dude pitched one inning last year. He hasn't really done anything now in two years, and he's on the wrong side of 30. He's in his mid-30s now. But Corey Kluber, to me, is the ideal caddy pickup for a team. If you need to bolster your rotation, again, I'll use the Yankees. They're a great example. The Yankees lost Hap, Paxton, and Tanaka from their rotation. Now, they still have enough pitchers to fill out five, but they need to add some depth. We all know that. They need to replace Tanaka's innings, especially. Uh, Corey Kluber's a second guy I would add. Like, he's the Troy Tulowitzki, except he, I think, does have something left, unlike Tulo when the Yankees signed him. I'm adding Kluber as my second guy who can give me some innings. And then I'm also looking for a solid either trade or free agent signing, um, obviously, a Bauer in the Yankees. I could see Kluber ending with a team like – the Braves or the Nationals, uh, maybe the Cubs looking for pitching. You know, you, you sign him two years max. I don't think he's getting anything more than two years. Braves um, bring in Kluber with Drew Smiley, who they already signed. That's a nice That's a nice one-two risk for a spot in that rotation. Carlos Rodon is on this list. Jose yeah. Urena. I mean, there's a lot of good names on this list. I, I like both of those guys. Uh, I get a team like the Cubs. I, I would take a flyer on some of these guys, eat some innings. You know who is on this list, which I'm sure he'll get a job fast, especially if we're having a DH in both leagues, is Jose Martinez. Yeah. Jose Good hitter. He he seemed to never really fit in last year. Um, he You know, it's weird, man. They got rid of him quick. They, they made that trade, and then Tampa Bay just got rid of him. Like, it was not working out. And that's what they do, man. Tampa Bay is just always ahead of the curve. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, when you can pluck a Randy Arozarena out of thin air and <laughs> have him do that instead, it, you could do well, stuff like that. He did get arrested, by the way. He got arrested. But yeah, that was kind of swept up. We're all yeah. so busy talking about the Yankees' letter being released in a week that's going to reveal absolutely nothing as it pertains to cheating. Um, but we've lost on, on a Rosarena gets arrested. That could be potentially a big story. Right when he's getting going, the Larusa DUI thing got some coverage, but not a lot. 
you, you know who's on this list, and I swear this dude, it, it feels like he's been in the league forever, and he's only 28 years old, Bubba Starling. <laughs> wow. That dude is, I feel like he's been in the league forever. He's only 28 years old. I can't, yeah, there's a lot of guys like that, I feel like. Delano DeShields, Albert Amora. I mean, those guys will get jobs. This is another one that surprised the hell out of me. Eddie Rosario. Yeah, that's a big one. I'm shocked that he was non-tendered. Him and Hunter Alberto? Hunter Alberto is going to get a job quick. Those are – they're basically the same guy in my mind, (laughs) like a a batting average on base type. Probably not a great fit for a team like the Yankees, but that's a team – those are players that if you're like the Marlins or the Angels – I mean, Angels don't really need a middle infielder, but if if you're a team like the Marlins or even – uh Oakland <laughs> like a team like that those are ideal shots for you. you can get those guys on the cheap this win you know it's funny there's two guys on this list that I think um would get picked up quick Hans Alberto is one of them Kyle Farmer is the other one those are two guys that I said you know what a team looking for shortstop second baseman type guys can pick those guys up for a year and then wait to hit that free agent shortstop market next year but Kyle Farmer was immediately re-signed Mm-hmm. Uh, with the Reds as soon as they non-tendered him for one year. So he's back with them. I, I like Hans Alberto a lot. Um, you know, he was a Baltimore. Baltimore is still retooling. They didn't want to spend the money on that kind of player. So I, I understand it. I'm just a little surprised. That's, again, that's another example where, yeah, for Baltimore, he doesn't make sense. For someone else, he's going to make a lot of sense. It's, you know, one man's trash, another man's treasure situation. Uh, we haven't touched on the real big fish here yet, which already has drawn rumors to the Yankees, which I'm not a fan of, uh, and that's Kyle Schwarber. Don't so, look, I'll say this about Schwarber. Props to him for improving his defense. He is yeah, a, he is a league average to better left fielder now, which is great for him. A couple of the comments were, you know, saying he's the ideal DH, man. Schwarber has gotten better, you know, with his defense. He's put in the work. He reminds me of, uh, oh, damn it, what's his name? Texas, Joey Gallo. You know, yeah. both of them remind me of one another. They, the guys that were just one-dimensional players, and they both worked on defense, and they both came, you know, become average to above-average defenders. And I think Swarber is a little bit more than just a DH. I think if you have a team that you can DH multiple people or you have, you know, depth in your outfield, then, yeah, you DH him. But I wouldn't mind, you know, plugging him in the outfield. I mean, you put a Schwarber in a Fenway left field or a Yankee Stadium right field Mm -hmm. or any ballpark that kind of has that going on. um, He's going to play probably above average defense. He's going to give you a decent on base percentage. He's going to bring power. Uh, He's a terrible fit for the Yankees. I'm tired of hearing that room. I'd rather, I would rather bring Brett Gardner back than sign Kyle Schorber. And I am totally over Brett Gardner and have been for two years. We have, we already have Kyle Schorber. His name is Luke Voigt. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm over him too. So (laughs) yeah. Uh, Here's the official list. Rob, if you, can you go up to the top? Let's start with the catchers here. There isn't anything to report with the catchers, but those are your three catchers. Um, backups, uh, you, you know, that, that catcher, you know, Chadwick Trump, he's weird, man. He's 26. He made his debut last year, but he's been bouncing around the minor league so long that he's out of options. So somebody will take a flyer on a 26 year old catcher. Yeah. Uh, you know, so these guys will get picked up. I'm pretty sure. I just, 
they're not sexy enough to waste time on first base. Same thing. Danny Santana, I think signed in Korea. So that was the only name yeah, I even recognized between those two. And he's gone. I always like Danny Santana. He's kind of that underdog story. You always root for him. He played with three or four teams, uh, Minnesota played with Texas last, I think Atlanta. Um, that's a guy you root for, you know, he, I, I'm, I'm glad he took a deal for him and, and it was going overseas. Yeah. Uh, we talked on second base. You covered Farmer, covered Alberto, Greg Garcia, your generic video game white guy from the Cardinals. He'll go somewhere. Uh, <laughs> let's get over to shortstop here. That's, I, I don't, Daniel Robertson, uh, former Ray. Is that the same guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't move. No, he could no, be a 25th, 26th man somewhere. I'll give him that. that. That's the first spelling of Jason that way I've ever seen. So, all right, it's Jason there. There we go. I, I don't know who that is. <laughs> You're digging deep there. Where, where um, were you gonna go? Where were you gonna go with the pronunciation? Jason. Okay, I, I think it's Jason, but yeah, just Guzman. by the spelling, I'm gonna think I'm gonna say he's Dominican. And I think you're right. I think it, now that I look really at 37, it, thirty-seven. You know, instead of twenty-two. <laughs> Yeah, now that you you say Jason, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, third uh, third base, interesting. Two guys kind of cut from the same cloth. Yeah, Mikel Franco and Travis Shaw. Travis Shaw is a guy I would take a flyer on if, if I'm a team who needs kind of some cheap power. Uh, Shaw's probably, if I had to guess, going to go to an AL team that needs some power and he can have kind of like that one-year deal. Yeah. Um, where he maybe can put up some numbers. I, he might be done. <laughs> I'll say that. I mean, I, there's no guarantee he's coming back to be what we saw a few years ago. But that's he's got some intrigue to him. Um, that's really all. I mean, I, I don't know. He's not going to go to a team like the Orioles, not going to go to the Jays. I had the Red Sox in my head, but Bobby Dahlbeck's kind of that same risk and better defense. So I, I had um, Hansel Alberto either for the Red Sox or the Brewers. Yeah, Hansel Alberto is the exact type of guy to go to the Red Sox and hit 450. He'll be Pedro Sirocco part two if he goes there. Um, Franco, again, cheap power, still, you know, in his prime in terms of age, but that's a guy who has fallen off the radar. He's no longer that big-time prospect. He's no longer really a productive guy, but someone that some team's going to take a flyer on, I'm sure, at least an invite to spring training. So, um Two intriguing names. They'll catch on somewhere, and it wouldn't surprise me if they had something left. Every left, left field, there, every left fielder there is worth a get. Those are sexy. Yeah. Kind of surprised the Braves let Duvall go after the season he just had for them, but that's a very Braves thing to do because he's probably going to get you know David, a two-year David deal Dahl. instead of one. David Dahl on this list, man, that's a big bounce-back candidate. Dahl's only real wart, obviously a lot of health issues, but he's in his prime. Colorado in general seems to have a lot of health issues, so maybe there's a team with a better medical staff, not the Yankees, who can take a flyer on him. Um, I like Dahl a lot. I mean, he's got a lot of skills, and I think that he the his batting profile is one that would play away from cores. And I said the same thing about DJ LeMayhew when he left. There's certain guys in cores, <clears throat> like Henry's boy, who I don't think would profile well away from cores, but there are other guys who are kind of more of a pure hitter type who I think will play anywhere, and Dahl's one of those guys for me. So David Dahl to the Phillies. I could see it. Well, uh, Phillies, we haven't touched on, man. That team is headed towards Mariners' purgatory so fast. The broken I, 
I feel so <laughs> bad for Joe Girardi. I seriously, the worst thing you can lose 110 games. You can be a team like the Mets last year, right? Who had like playoff aspirations and everything kind of got shot to shit. You can be a team like the Yankees who are in the playoffs the last few years and just can't get over the hump. You can be any of those teams and I'd take it. What I won't take is where the Phillies are headed quickly. And that is having a little bit of talent, enough talent to be around 80 something wins, not enough talent or farm to get over that hump and then start to add payroll to try and get over that hump is the worst thing you can do in baseball. The Mariners have been in it for like 10 years now. 10. That's where the Phillies are headed. It would scare the hell out of me if I was a Phillies fan. I agree. Totally agree. Yeah. But to your point, that is a, a signing the Phillies would make with all of that in mind, try and get over the hump. Those next, to me, those next two guys are the crown jewels. Rosario. Yeah, Rosario and Schorber definitely uh, – they can be gems somewhere. They don't have the sexiest numbers. Eddie Rosario will always players, have but... a special place in my heart. That man did damage in the last WBC. Yeah, yeah. He, he's, uh, he was a good player there. I had another WBC thought now, and now I can't remember what it was. Team Rubio, Team Rubio. I, hey, just so you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's still watching, but my boy John Oliva was on earlier. He could tell you we have text messages back and forth. We actually thought about dyeing our hair blonde when WBC <laughs> team doing it. He could tell you I was going, I was going to let this little bit grow out, and I was going to dye it blonde. It was, it was close. I can't even look at you. It was <laughs> sexy blonde to a whole new level, baby. I remember my WBC thought. Uh, Tomoyuki Sugano. God bless you. <laughs> That's a guy who is going to look. I've seen Sugano pitch. I was actually impressed with him in the World Baseball Classic. I remember watching him, seeing his name, and being like, "I got to remember this guy because he he's like mowing guys down." Uh, he's 31, so he's not going to be a guy who gets signed to any sort of like Tanaka Darvish type deal, mm-hmm. but. Three to five, somewhere in the rotation. He's he's a solution to someone's problem. That's a guy I expect. If you're not going after Bauer, which many teams are not because of budgetary reasons, including big, big cows like the Yankees, Sugano is a guy to watch for because he's durable. He's Asian. So you know he's going to be, he's going to like stay healthy and pitch pretty effectively. That's just what they do when they come over from there. Um, That's a consolation prize this winter. And I don't think it's going to cost a ton of money to get him. I can see it. So, yeah, that's my Sigano pitch. Uh, center fielders here. We got Al Mora, another, another Cubs cast off from that farm system. That was- I'm a Brian Goodwin guy. I like him. I like what he brought to the Angels. I think he gets picked up. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I, I like mean, Goodwin, too. going to get picked up, but I think he'll have a lot of suitors to choose from is what I mean. You know, Goodwin's skill set's kind of sexy in this day and age. So that's that's the main reason I could see it. Um, he's only 30. Uh, you're only probably looking at all these guys. This is what's so unfortunate. This is going to be very similar to the J.D. Martinez free agency here. You're going to have one or two guys who actually get paid. They're probably going to have to wait until March to do it. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to have everyone else just get totally screwed. And these guys fit that perfect profile. They're all getting one-year deals for like half the money you expect. There's a ton of depth guys here, a ton. Yeah, and, and this is always where my team s- seems to sit out and it annoys the shit out of me. Because I'm like, just I, I look, I know it'll put you over some sort of number this year, but this is these are guys who can help you and they're cheap. 
by comparing, you know, to their market value in the future, a lot of short-sighted teams out there. I mean, uh, you look at the right fielder. You're talking about power. You got Nomar Mazara sitting there. I mean, power is sexy. I don't care who you are and, you know, what team your payroll is, whatever. Nomar Mazara is a sexy name. I like Mazzara. I understand why the White Sox got rid of him. He's still only 26. He could hit the ball 500 feet. Yeah. There was a market for that. Um, Tyler Naquin, I never would have guessed is 30 years old, by the way. I thought he was like 26. I wouldn't have guessed Jace Peterson is older than him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that too. Ben uh, Gamble, what a name. Yeah, no thanks on those guys. Jose Martinez, we talked about. So starting pitchers, you know, Rodin – is a lefty. He's a big lefty. He's been hurt. He's shown some signs. Matt Bushnell, I don't know how you feel about him or Ricky, any of the uh, any of the White Sox fans out there. I would take a – Rodon to me is a Corey Kluber type. Like that's a guy I would take a flyer on, see if he's got anything. He's 28 years old, so he's younger than Kluber, obviously way less accomplished. Yeah. I'd take a flyer on him. And Urena I like a lot. I think he's a product more so of just being in a shitty pitching development organization. Marlins are, you know, they've got big time prospects. I love Urena. I I think he has a ton of feeling. And he's a guy who could be a closer too. I mean, he was pitching in relief to end last year. So that's a guy who who can be a reliever. He can be a starter. There's a 2021 shortened season. He's going to be a swing man somewhere and and that's going to be some useful value. Uh, Right. Anders, who have we not gotten to yet? Not really any of these guys. You can keep going. Kenyon Middleton, 27 years old. Interesting. Keenan, sorry. Um, responding to one of the questions in the well, state comments, so sorry. Stanek's my guy. <laughs> I, I, could look. I mean, Archie Bradley's the top choice. Yeah, but Ryan Stanek, if I had to pick anyone from this list who's kind of low-key, uh, like a, a sleeper, so to speak, that's my guy. I think I, I'm a big Stanek guy. I think Jonathan Holder can – play huge on a contender. I wonder if the Yankees bring him back just off the 40 man. I, I think Jonathan Holder can play a big part for a contender. He's got a ton of experience. I just think in the Yankees bullpen, he kind of gets swallowed up. Yeah, he doesn't. I just don't, yeah, I just don't think they didn't want to pay the money. I don't think it was a matter of not wanting him. I just think they didn't want to pay him for where he slots in that bullpen. A one and a half million, by the way. <laughs> That's what he was going to get paid. They paid it to Louis Sessa instead, and they're kind of the same guy, so I get it. Yeah, but, but Sessa gives you innings. Right. Sessa can give you multiple innings. Sessa actually, oddly, against the Rays was pretty good in the ALCS or ALDS last year. Holder yeah. kind of tends to get destroyed by good lineups, um, but he pitches a lot of solid innings against not good lineups. So that's that's the profile you're looking for. You want a guy who's not on your A team in the bullpen who can give you innings. He's only 28. He's got some upside there. Uh, he'll stay healthy. That's your guy, and you, you can pay him a million bucks. Um, let's I, keep. I, I quickly went to just Google Matt Whistler real quick, and one of the things that pop up is Matt Whistler's wife. That's one of the first Google searches that pops up for him. Would you tender her or what? (laughs) I would tender her a contract. Absolutely. (laughs) That's all I need to know. Um, Yeah. And then you got your left-hander, man. I, I'm really, they're starting to grade on me. I just left-handed veteran relievers who don't have like Andrew Miller prime upside to me are just such a waste. 
there Jason Shreve's a waste. There's so many left-handed hitters. You need to neutralize them. You, if you throw left-handed, you will be able to pitch in Major League Baseball till you're 40. It's just. It's been it true for, for since the beginning of time. It just it feels like a a cheat code. It's just like it's literally just because they're left-handed. It has nothing to do with their ability. Yeah. And it's bothersome to me, but I get it. Uh, is that it? Yeah, that's it. So those are your non-tender guys. Uh, again, I, the big takeaways, Bradley is going to go somewhere. Schwarber is going to go somewhere. Those are the big guys. Cooper is going to go somewhere. Ryan Stanek, that's my sleeper pick. Um, I'm a big believer in him if he goes to the right team. Unfortunately, I think a team like the Astros <laughs> might be a perfect fit for him. So we'll see. We're getting a lot of uh, a lot of Ryan Tapera love in the comments. Yeah, okay. I I don't dislike him. He just just kind of doesn't move the needle for me. Um, and Matt Whistler too is another guy who like I feel like maybe at some point I was I was attracted to that skill set, and I don't know what to make of him now. Yeah, Melvin makes a good point. The three out rule that's brutal for left handed relievers. That's a very good point. It, it, it is for those left-handed relievers. Again, if you're a dominant lefty, it doesn't matter. Um, you kind of have to hedge now with the way the rules are set up. It's got to be a guy who you know will get out of the inning because you can bring in a guy with two outs in the inning to get out of it, but if he struggles, he has to stay in for three batters. So if you can bring in a lefty reliever who's middling like Jason Shreve, and you can have enough confidence he's going to get one out with maybe like a guy on first and second or whatever, good. But that's kind of the line there. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's a risk now with any sort of loogie-type guy. He, he can get blown up even with two outs in the inning. So that's a risk you take. Doesn't have his control, that's a risk you take. By the way, that is another rule I do not like. I don't like that rule either. I, I That, from a competitive nature standpoint – First of all, it doesn't do what it's out to accomplish, which is my main purpose with rules. It does not really save any sort of time from what we noticed. I think they noted, I think they actually followed it. And it was like something like seven minutes or, or less. I don't like it from the perspective of trying to circumvent strategy. So I'm big on strategy, which is why I do not want them to get rid of the shift. I think right. part of the beauty of baseball is the cat and mouse game. So if I'm, I mean, it's a line. A, if I'm bringing in a pitcher that can neutralize your lefty, I shouldn't be penalized for that. Right. I shouldn't make that lefty now face two right-handed hitters behind him that he's going to get smoked on. So I, I, get, I just, I don't like it from a strategic standpoint where they're trying to neutralize something that someone has come up with to, you know, to be one step ahead, which is why I don't, I'm not a fan of banning the shift. I, it, it, it's middle of the road for me. I am okay. I'm okay with limiting the shift. Uh, and that's not unprecedented. I mean, you know, pitching became too dominant. They lower the mound. <laughs> uh, there's been a ton of rules that have changed over the years to make the game exciting again. Um, the, where I agree with you is that you should be allowed to do some shifts, but I kind of like the idea of like every position having a zone that you have to stay in. Uh, or even a side of the diamond that you have to stay on. And I only like it because I just think that the shift, it's a smart strategy. I get it. The analytics work on it, but it's bad for the game. It, there is nothing good about 220 hitters 
with 300 on base percentages and everyone being like, well, you should be able to hit opposite way. Well, how many years has it been now that they've proven they're either not going to or they can't? <laughs> so at some point, you just have to concede that. Look, it may be boring baseball, but if I'm on a team who constantly shifts and, and the percentages work in my favor, I'm, I, I'll be a boring baseball team if it means I'm going to win. I'll right. take the boring, you know. The I'll other part the- of it that bothers me along with launch angle is that one of the reasons launch angle is so popular is so you can evade things like the shift because they're hitting into such low percentages. Now their solution is, okay, if it's such a low percentage, we're going to get a hit, let's hit a home run because that's a hundred percent success rate. And that's bad for the game. So, and that that raises strikeouts and strikeouts raise pitch counts and pitch counts raise time of, of the game. That's where your real problem with baseball is. It's not in, in, batters facing one or two guys or pitchers facing one or two guys instead of three so you want to you want to bring some you want to make changes to the shift you give the managers a maximum number of shifts a game i'd be cool with that too i don't you you know i know it's something else to keep track of right Uh, like at least keeps the strategy and even within it makes that more strategic itself in a vacuum i like that idea I like the pitch mound idea. I like the pitch clock idea. Like in a vacuum, I like all of those. Just when you add them all together, how mechanical are we going to go? And I'm someone who supports robot umps. By the way, I think that should be automated. There's absolutely no reason it shouldn't be. But that other stuff to me is like, this is becoming a lot to keep track of. Baseball's already kind of a nerdy sport to younger generations. That makes it nerdier. So that's a concern for me. I, I get it. I just... I'm not a fan. I'm going to always be pro shift. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anything that can kind of balance out analytics, I'm good with. So to Melvin's point, yeah, I mean, I would like to see more bunts. I don't think if you're, you're going to anymore. The bunt is dead. The analytics show that even bunting doesn't make sense, even if the left side's open and guys can't do it, which is the other problem. And that's not going to change as long as hitting home runs is the say all end all of, of batting, which it is right now because of shifts. So it's all one giant vicious cycle. You know what bunting has become? A pitcher hitting a home run. We so <laughs> seldom see it that when it yeah. happens, we get excited. But most of the time when it does happen, it's not effective. Yeah. Do we have any Angels fans in here right now? Because I remember Mike Sosha in his prime with the Angels, and that shit was not exciting. Bunting a guy to second when there's a runner on first with no outs wasn't thrilling for me i disagree i think if you're at the game and you're paying attention this is this is being a live you know a live fan in the, at the time if you're at a game and you're at a tie game and a player bunts a run over to second base you're going crazy in the stands you understand what's happening you want that run in a scoring position if you're sitting home you're like eh, okay there's something different about the dynamic of being at the ballpark that makes the game so much more fun Yes, I have never been thrilled about bunting a guy to second in my life. Not once. I've been thrilled plenty of times if a guy bunted over. Bunt a guy to third, squeeze, sacrifice. Those things are fine, but bunting a guy to second doesn't make any sense. Running position on the bottom of the ninth, I'm getting excited for that. Yeah, well, let's put it this way: it shouldn't be the norm that will make it exciting for me. So, uh, yeah, (laughs) but. Rob, I don't, I don't know if I have interest in what you're asking me. Um, <laughs> to be honest with you, he's, he's asking if we want to see Gary Sanchez Dominican highlights, and I kind of don't. 
Um, that's that's a little too Yankee esque for me, uh, mainly because Gary Sanchez is involved. If you tell me he hit a nasty curveball down and away, and he went down and got it and did some that flat ball was as flat as Jessica Alba. <laughs> you just see it yourself. Now we do have some stuff. Uh, comment section here. I want to make one differentiating point. Ozzy Gian's brand of small ball, I was in love with. I loved watching the 2005 White Sox. The I difference to me Gian was exciting. The, he himself is exciting, but also, yeah, I mean, his brand of baseball. The difference being those guys just tried to steal bases constantly. And I like the pressure that that puts on the defense and on the pitching staff. Um, yes, they did the sack bunts and stuff like that. But to me, Mike social was really the, I'm, I'm, I'm specifying bunting to second with no outs. That was the shit that didn't, I didn't like for social. I liked social's overall small ball, the contact, the shown figgins of the world. All of that was, it was fun to watch. Um, but it was really him going extreme with that type of stuff that I didn't like. I didn't feel the 2005 White Sox did that. They can hurt you in a lot of ways, and I respected that. And the speed, as Scott Podsednik wouldn't have a job in today's game, and that's disappointing. I liked what he brought that year. That was an exciting player to watch. I would say Dave Roberts' name, but no. Yeah, no, fuck him. <laughs> So, yeah, I don't I don't even like watching Dave Roberts as a manager. And now he's a World Series winning manager and player. So uh, Dave Roberts has basically taken Don Mattingly's soul in my mind. Yeah. Like Don Mattingly deserves to have a ring as a player and a manager. Roberts has both and he doesn't deserve either. So we got one topic left, Henry. <laughs> and this is. It affects all of baseball, which is why we're talking about it. It happens to have been stemmed from the Yankees. Real quick, real quick. Before we go there, because there is something that we did not put on the the rundown. Okay, go ahead. Boonheaded of the week. Oh, yeah. That will go to none other than Aaron Boone. (laughs) What do you do this time, Henry? Basically said Gary Sanchez is fine. Gary Sanchez is a good player, and he does not see a Gary Sanchez problem. That's because Aaron Boone has his head so far up his fucking ass, he can't see the daylight through a tunnel. Fuck him. Aaron Aaron Boone defends players to a laughable degree. Wait, wait. This brings me to something else that happened just two days ago, and I wanted to jump out the fucking window. Brian Cashman must have been drunk. Because Brian Cashman, he does a lot of uh, philanthropy. philanthropy yeah, and, he likes scaling buildings. Yeah, he likes doing quirky shit. Uh, he sky, um, skydived a few times, repels down buildings, broke his leg one time, if you remember, broke his foot. So he's rappelling down the building for charity. And they ask him a question about Aaron Boone. And I don't know what kind of Brugal he was drinking, but my man said he envisions Aaron Boone being on a team at least 10 years. Yeah. You know? Get the fuck out. You know, the thing about that is um, two things on Aaron Boone. One is that he defends his players comically to a point where it's disingenuous and insulting. That was the real problem that I had with uh, Pat Shermer as the Giants coach to, to touch on the audible for a second. Uh, he's just like an idiot. Like we, we know what you're saying is not what you mean. So why say it? Like it's so laughable 
that you would come to a player's defense to that degree. That's what Boone does with a guy like Gary Sanchez. Dude, you replaced Gary Sanchez in the playoffs with Kyle Higashioka. This is this is not and now and the rumor Siati Molina, by the way, I believe are absolutely legitimate because that's exactly the type of catcher that they probably want to bring in. But I don't see it happening at all. Either way, like Higgy is a a he's a respectable catcher. That is the type of catcher, by the way, that I support having. But he's also 28. He's never been a top 10 prospect. He's a nothing in the world of baseball. And he replaced Gary Sanchez as a starter. And by the way, the two innings we brought in Gary Sanchez in game five, he had one job and his one job was to catch her all to Chapman and call a game that extends the tie. And he doesn't, he calls fastballs in the low inside corner to Broussard over and over again, his one hot spot until Broussard hits a game winning home run. So don't give me this about Gary Sanchez and you're, you have no concern. He's still this great. I, this is not 2016. It's not 2017. Gary Sanchez absolutely not only has to prove himself, if he's even on this team by opening day, which I'm still not convinced of, but he needs to earn his starting spot back. And batting practice in the Dominican as a DH doesn't do that for me. So to me, he's not your opening day starter. I don't want to hear there's no problem. It's disingenuous and it's stupid. Now I'll come to Boone's defense on the other thing, Henry, in that what he said in a vacuum, what Cashman said, I mean, okay, is not, uh, I, I don't have a problem with it. I, I think it's one of those things in Cashman speak that's taken out of context. It definitely he, was. He, he would love to have Aaron Boone for the next 10 years. What he's leaving out of that statement is if Aaron Boone doesn't win a World Series, he's not going to have Aaron Boone right. for the next 10 years. The context behind it was he was talking about how long he had Tory, how long he had Girardi for 10 years. So he said he'd like to have Boone basically the equivalent long-term right. man for those guys. It, yes. So stupid. It was a very Trumpian-esque statement, but... um. I, I, I take it with a grain of salt. Here's the proof of that. Aaron Boone's in a walk year and he didn't extend him. If you really, if you, if you, if your intention was, Hey, I want Aaron Boone here for the next 10 years because he is the manager I want here for the next 10 years, you would extend Aaron Boone for do a contract. No one wants a lame duck manager. No organization does. He didn't extend him. And what that means to me is I'm Brian Cashman. My contract's up after 2022, after 2021, if we don't win a world series again, after not doing it in 2018, not doing it in 2019, not doing it in 2020, now not doing it in 2021 in this hypothetical, mm-hmm. I need a new manager because now my job, I'm a lame duck GM at that point. Yeah. I don't know if Hal would have the balls to fire him, but it at least has to be a conversation like, hey, this is the prime of these guys. We have no titles. I've spent $268 million in 2020, what would have been. Um, probably going over the cap again in 2021. If we have nothing to show for it, Aaron Boone at the very least is like someone has to be a fall guy. If you don't want it to be you, it has to be your manager. Yeah. So, I agree. yeah. So I, I have no concerns that him saying that means Aaron Boone's here for 10 years. It just means, hey, that's our guy. We win a World Series. I would love to see him stay forever. Whatever. It's a, it's a, it's a non speak from Cashman, which, which is crazy because the worst possible thing can happen next year, which is he's in his final season. He wins a fucking title and gets an extension. 
Yeah, well, this is, again, to take a page out of the Giants book. This is what Randy Hammond and I talk about all the time. Dave Gettleman's just been well, a... <laughs> yeah, we're, Dave Gettleman's just been a complete shitstorm of a disaster pretty much his entire tenure here for three years. He's in his what should be what was definitely going to be his final year had the Giants had like another miserable season. And now all of a sudden, all these decisions he made, like trading Odell Beckham and his draft this past season and the cap space he's freed up, not picking Sam Darnold. Not like every decision he's made that Giants fans were like, we win three to four games a year and you did this are all starting to look really good in a year where he would have been fired. So now you're in a situation where the Giants may go seven and nine, which is still not great, but it may win them the division, get them a playoff spot. And then you're looking at Gettleman like, hey, Joe Judge looks like he's a guy who's going to be here for the next 10 years. And uh, and that's the situation you're in as a Giants fan. I want to let people know something real quick. It's totally unrelated. Behind the scenes, I had a little back and forth with one of the members in one of the groups, and I just we got rid of him. He questioned my parenting. I look, <laughs> in, I look in the comment section, and who do I see in the comment section is my wonderful son, who is so pissed off for Gary Sanchez that that gives you an idea of how much shit talks gets done in my house about Gary Sanchez, because my son is in the comment section hot right now. <laughs> I'm sorry, I saw that, and I had to laugh. Your son, by the way, while we're talking about young Jay over here, uh, starting a shitstorm and ball his life <laughs> with, his, with a very innocuous statement that LeBron James and Dwayne Weed are, are one of the one best of, ever, yeah. which is completely warranted. Like, Dwayne, they're both top 50 players of all time. And man, some people took offense to that. One person who has the worst takes. Yeah, so I think that turned into a 300 comment. Something. Yeah, it was one of those that t- it was a Vince special that took off. That's my um, boy. That's my boy. Except usually I have like 180 of my 200 comment ones. This one was like everyone ganging up on this one dude for his terrible takes that LeBron and Wade winning two titles is not somehow one of the greatest duos of all time, even though they're both top 50 guys and LeBron's a top two guy. The the best part is I I. Without being said, I know I had dudes in there kind of keeping an eye because that is my son. Right. They were kind of like, mm. <laughs> I'm just waiting to see if Jay throws out an SMD, like just anything <laughs> that's going to be like shit. Now I have to like moderate this com- conversation. He didn't. But uh, yeah, I know there's certain guys, right? We're just super protective over. Uh, obviously, family's one of them. So that was like Jay's welcome to the life group moments, yeah, I feel like. He's still getting uh, uh, used to Facebook. He is more of a Instagram, Snapchat. He is a 19-year-old millennial. So that, you know, he's yeah, like, yeah, t- Facebook is cool. I, I think he's more on Facebook just for the groups that we have. And that's it. Jay is a young Gen Z. Yes. So I don't even know what that, yeah, that generation just woke. That's all I know. Um we have one more thing real quick, and I don't want to make, keep it too yanky. Yeah, I, at any moment I have to talk about this, man, I don't want to. Um, Not to mention my 49er game is about to get started. So let's Oh, yeah, let's get you off here. <laughs> um, give, it to, give it to me. What, uh, what do you want to talk about? It's your, it's your baby here. Randy Levin, who if anyone knows me, I can't stand this fucking guy. He is the president of the Yankees. He's a piece of shit. He's a racist. He's an scumbag, <laughs> asshole, just garbage as human being. 
who is a really good business mind, but yeah. always is on the wrong side of arguments, disagreements. He suggests, and I love how he does it. He suggests that we should legalize sports betting in New York to offset the cost by the city. Now, what he ties it to is what's beautiful. He ties it to weed. Now, this is a guy who is an ultra conservative, who is totally against legalizing weed. But all of a sudden, the city needs to make money and he wants to bring in sports betting. So he ties it to the most popular thing right now, which is to legalize weed. Also buried in there is he's talking about refinancing city debts. Who owns a lot of money to New York City? The Yankees. <laughs> he, wants, he wants the city basically to refinance city debt. He's talking about selling pro uh, city property owned things. Again, all good ideas, but where the fuck is this when it really matters? And he's only doing it because he's trying to get sports betting done in New York. In New York. And what happens if you get sports betting done in New York? You're going to see a shitload of kiosk at Yankee Stadium. They're going to take a percentage of the revenues generated from there, and everyone wins. And all of a sudden, we're doing this because now these owners, who are billionaires, are crying poor. Fuck you. Yeah. Uh, sports gambling, to me, is very similar to marijuana. Uh, being legalized in that every... I'm sorry, I forgot to add. I am in favor of legalizing sports betting right. recreational marijuana. Right. But for the right reasons. Right. Like, what, I'm gonna, what I was going to say, I, I think the majority of common people um, support both marijuana being made legal and also sports gambling being made legal. And it's not going to happen federally at least until rich people can regulate it and profit off of it before common people can. So that's, that's my take on that. Like Randy Levine. Yeah. doesn't give a shit about this and what it could mean, you know, the positives of it, which look several billions of dollars go into sports gambling, like tens and tens, maybe hundreds of billions of dollars go into sports gambling. But until it impacts Randy Levine, it just didn't matter. Um, that's all this is. This is just rich old people trying to make, trying to regulate things to make profit. Uh, that said, like you, I, I support it. Go ahead and make sports. Look, sports betting, it, not to get too political, sports betting and student loan reform or bailout are the two things that this country has that you can put hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars back into the economy overnight. Now, and, you know, to deal with this COVID situation. One thing that our wonderful governor in New York, I say that both seriously and sarcastically, because if you lean right, then you hate him. If you lean left, then you love him. Right. But our wonderful governor last year, who was previously opposed to legalizing weed, is now on the bandwagon to legalize it. But he wants to do it the right way. So the reason it was shot down last year was because he said, hey, if we're going to legalize it, I want to see a task force and I want to see where every tax dollar goes. Guess what? When he said that, no one knew anything. And I'm all <laughs> for that stance. I'm all for, hey, we're going to legalize this, but let's know where the money goes. Let's, right. This is where we're going to earmark it. This is how we're going to spend it. This is how we're going to track it. If you tell me we're going to subsidize a shitty MTA who's billions of dollars in debt, I'm not for it. If we're subsidizing schools and, and bringing some of these, you know, these shitty neighborhood schools better you know products and, and and books and and learning tools and, and technology i'm all for it but you, you gotta show me where it's going yeah yeah absolutely so anyway randy levine's a prick that's all you have to know about that 
Um, uh, real quick, speaking of pricks, another one. Oh, uh, what's his name? What's his name? What's his Dan name? Dan Snyder. No, no, he's a prick too. Uh, Middleton, Middleton. Uh, John Middleton, the Phillies owner. Oh, yeah. It's been a rough week. My man came out here and said that the Phillies lost $2 billion with a yeah. B. Two, two billion dollars. The team is not even worth an estimated two billion dollars. <laughs> and of course, after he got roasted for it, he said, "No, it's more like 145 million." Yeah. So, oh, hey, those are close, right? <laughs> that just gives you a, uh, you know, a little peek into you know corporate accounting and how uh, you can fudge the numbers and do whatever you want. Yeah. If the Phillies lost two billion, I can only imagine what John Mozeliak in the car. Seriously. I mean that guy. Baseball's not profitable, so I I don't even know what the Cardinals lost. Probably oh, ten billion. I saw that report. And I'm like, is this a typo? Like, I, like I said, the team's not even estimated at two billion dollar value. I saw that too. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's just it, they're such clowns. They really are such clowns. And the sad thing is that there are many many people who just eat this up. Um, one not saying he's one of them, but I would have loved to get Joe Sutton's opinion on what Middleton said because he usually comes to the side of the owners, but in an, in an educated, intelligent way. Yeah. I'll, I'll give him that. So, uh, one more thing before we go: Dick yeah. Allen, seven-time All-Star, NL Rookie of the Year, 1972 American League MVP, has passed away. He was 78 years old. This just came down a couple hours ago, so uh, we send our condolences to the Dick Allen family. So. As you might imagine, Dong City is a big fan of Dick Allen, so that uh, we send our condolences for sure. Um, yeah, I, it seems like we're losing baseball legends like monthly. <laughs> but, yeah, this year's been brutal. Yeah, more ways than one. So this has been Dong City. We uh, we're gonna be back. We're still on the we're on the two week thing right now. Um, as you can see, baseball not moving terribly quick to have a weekly show. Uh, we have total bases on Sundays. We have uh, the Audible tomorrow, I believe. They're still doing Tuesdays, right? I don't want to make sure when I was gone they didn't. I'm looking yeah. in. I want to see what my Niners do so that I can decide if I'm going to listen to them or not. Yep. Right now, Washington has tied Pittsburgh, but Pittsburgh on the run. So uh, less than seven minutes to go in that one. Go Steelers. Hoping they stay undefeated, although kind of nice to see this rise of the NFC East out of nowhere, challenging the Seahawks and Steelers. Like, who saw that coming? Any other um, West teams losing, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, so there we go. Henry's Niners about to be on by the Audibles, 7 p.m. on Tuesdays. We will be back on December 21st. Make sure you bring that holiday festive-themed show. And, uh, and, then, and we may have some bigger blog – or blog. We may have some bigger – announcements for you as far as podcasts go by then so just make sure to tune in but uh we'll be back in two weeks audible on tomorrow total bases on sunday this has been donk city have a good night donk city bitches